We've been talking about China this month. Today we're going to be doing a Black History Month presentation. We're going to look at Black History in the United States through the musical. I'm back to Happy my roots in teaching science. We're trying to prevent the spread of I actually grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I grew up in, right here in Columbus. I would like to apply for this job. That would be different to do for a year or two. <laughs> Ten interesting facts about the Chinese New Year. And our alumni focus is Mr. Thomas Alfred. I'm ready to start off. Don't be scared. It's okay. Welcome back. This is Andre, Latrell, and Mr. Kelly. And we're here to tell you about what we got for March's podcast. Thank you very much for spending an hour with us this month. A lot of great things in store. The country of the month will be China. We'll be talking about the Chinese culture and their religious beliefs. And you guys may remember back in September, Mr. Cash came through. He also came through this month. He talked about black history through the musical lens. We have a new teacher this year. Her name is Mrs. Woods. We'll be speaking with her as well. And we spoke with a teacher who's been teaching at Ohio State School for the Blind a long time, Mrs. Mary Butler. So we're going to show you guys how to collect information. <laughs> I don't know how much you're going to use it. The alumni focus this month was Thomas Alfred. He graduated last year. He's going to tell us about his experience at OSSB and where he's headed to now. So Latrell is going to do a little demonstration with Jason about how to keep germs from spreading. Do you have a sweet tooth? Because this month we had Chocolate Fair and Miss Swish is going to talk to us about that and her Mardi Gras beads. I hope you guys enjoy. We are practicing for the Braille Challenge, which is coming up March the 2nd. Yeah! And we're going over typefaces today. And number four is write T or F after each of these true or false statements, right? We've got two things in this sentence that we're going to do, okay? Where it says write T or F, okay? T or F. Is a bolded passage. Okay. Right? So who wants to tell me what we're going to put? I'm sorry, it's a italicized passage. Who's, who wants to tell me how we're going to write T or F? All right, over here. Andre. I'll do it, go. So you do four, five, uh, four, six, right? Then yep. you do a drop G. Yep. Then you do the letter sign, yep. capital T, yep. space, or. Yep. Then you want to do uh, the letter sign, yep. capital, uh, oh, oh, dot six for a capital F. Yep. And then you want to do four, six, dot, uh, you tried. I, what's the dot for the Terminator? The Terminator. 46 and dot three, Wait, right? Dot three is your Terminator for all these. We are going to pause a moment to remember Aiden Carter. He was a cherished member of our OSSB family. As you listen to this piece of music, you may remember Aiden and know that his memories and that his story will continue to live on at OSSB.
thank you very much for that opportunity. And now back to our podcast as Andre and Latrell interview Mr. Cash. Mr. Cash. Mr. Cash visited us a couple of months back. What was that? October, September? I think it was October. Alright, so how you doing, Mr. Cash? I'm doing wonderful, thank you very much. Even though there were some issues at some schools yesterday, so the school that I'm working at is on high alert right now. There's some stuff that happened in Florida yesterday, but everyone seems to be doing pretty good. So, last time you were with us, you talked about anxiety and depression, right? Exactly. So, you're here for another word meeting. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to present today? Yeah, today we're going to be doing a Black History Month um, presentation, uh, and we're going to look at black history in the United States through the musical lens. So we're going to get started from slavery times and move all the way up to the current um, music and hip-hop that's going on today. What made you use music as your method of teaching? Well, I knew my population. (laughs) Uh, The Ohio State School for the Blind is a unique and wonderful population and it's important to create a presentation that your audience can appreciate and can participate in. Um, it's not something that I think is going to be extremely challenging. Uh, and actually music is one of my primary identities, meaning one of my major social identities is the way that I have interactions with music, even with my own family and my brother. Um, I really find music to be a bridging mechanism uh, for a lot of different issues and people. So, Mr. Cash, can I ask, what are, you, what are you expecting from your audience today? Well, I think, you know, some maybe some infi- insightful questions, even some, hey, you know, I've never heard that before. Um, this is interesting to me. Uh, maybe I'll explore and discover some other types of music that I wasn't really aware of. Um, and hoping that they enjoy the music as much as I do because it has importance not only for people who are into music but for American history and um, some social movements that also took place in American history. Have you ever used this method of teaching before? I have. Um, I did a presentation at The Ohio State University when I worked there Uh, We talked about protest songs, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but It's a Wonderful Life by uh, Louis Armstrong is actually a protest song, and there's about 30 seconds to about a minute before the song gets started where he talks about what kind of world this would be, you know, if there wasn't pollution and wars and strife and that kind of thing. That stuff never gets played on the radio. So I have done a presentation like this before uh, where I use music as the main method of talking about issues and trying to relate it back to their lives. May I ask, how has it helped other students in your experience? Well, as, as many earbuds that I see walking around <laughs> campus and how often students have music in their ears or it seems like the best method uh, that a lot of students uh, use to chill out or to reduce anxiety in a lot of ways is to listen to music and music has uh, an unbelievable power um, that I I don't think people are aware of on a real conscious level yeah so I think a lot of people listen to 
music that it resonates with them, but I also think it's important to maybe try some new things, mm -hmm. listen to some new genres. Maybe you'll like some hip-hop or trance or mm -hmm. electronic music that you never thought you'd be interested in. And the only way to do that is to be exposed to it and give it a shot. Um, hopefully, people will be able to then say, hey, this piece moved me, or this is what I found interesting, or this is what I didn't find so interesting. Um, so that we can use something like music to build a bridge between, say, you and I. If we can't find any common ground, maybe we can find some common ground on music. How can someone grow their horizon using this method? The one thing is if you do have access to a computer and you do have some people in your life, such as the faculty and staff, you can ask them some questions like, oh, what kind of music are you interested in? And is there a way for me to access that? If you can have access to some music, um, even attending some different kinds of concerts, uh, if that's possible. Also, you know, do some self-reflection and say, hey, you know what, I've kind of been stuck in a rut and I would listen to the same kind of music over and over again. Maybe I need to try something different. And that takes a little bit of self-reflection, but it could even be gaming music, you know? Uh, a lot of kids have some really powerful music soundtracks in computer games. You know, I'm thinking the original Diablo uh, that came out in like 1990. I, I actually will go onto YouTube and listen to the soundtrack for a game because it, it, it meant something to me back then. Hey. So I think there's a lot of great music out there. May I ask, what type of music do you listen to? Right now, uh, the music that I listen to is a lot of classic rock. So that would be like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, progressive rock. But these days... I listen to, it's called ambient down-tempo. So it's a lot more electronic music, but mm -hmm. this would be groups like uh, Boards of Canada, uh, Aphex Twin, so more electronic music. Mm -hmm. I don't really, it's an interesting question. That's a great question because I'm not interested in hearing words in, in music anymore. I want to make up my own kind of meaning for a song uh, instead of having someone tell me what the meaning of the song is through lyrics. So I actually listen to a lot of instrumentals and, and that kind of music. But I love it. I mean, so much so that I'm actually working on an art project right now uh, around one of my favorite bands. And who is your favorite band? Yeah, they're called Boards of Canada. They're not from Canada. <laughs> uh, they're from Northern Ireland. Uh, but they do a lot of ambient music, and it's ethereal, very nostalgic, a lot of analog tones. So not a lot of digital stuff. So they'll find like old tape decks from like the 70s and 60s and Moogs, which are like keyboards, and, and use that kind of sound to create these really powerful... I actually had like a, a really transcendental experience listening to one of their songs, meaning I had a real emotional, strong response uh, in listening to one of their songs. So Mr. Cash, I know we've got to wrap this up. So can I ask, is there anything you want to say to our audience? Yeah, I would say, um, given an opportunity, I hope that you explore and kind of discover some of the things and music uh, influences, and maybe expand your horizons a little bit, and maybe try some things that uh, maybe someone in your family or someone of your peers are listening to, and, and give it your honest kind of ear, and, and give some time to it. Otherwise, um, we don't have new experiences, and we need new experiences to grow. Thank you, Mr. Cash.
Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. This is Jason, and we're here with Miss Cindy Swisher. Happy Mardi Gras! <laughs> so, can you tell us what the what the chocolate fair is and why we do it? Okay, the chocolate fair was tradition. We started probably about twenty or thirty years ago. Um, it celebrates supposedly Valentine's Day, but they always celebrate it on um, Ash Wednesday, which is Mardi Gras, which is a religious holiday. So then we turned it into a Mardi Gras celebration. I started here about 13 years ago, and I started bringing Mardi Gras beads and Mardi Gras music, and it kind of turned into a big Mardi Gras party. Mm, cool. Um, so what kind of stuff do we make here? We make uh, anything that's chocolate. It's usually chocolate, but we do make things that are not chocolate. For We have a couple of students that are allergic to chocolate. We make peanut butter things, peanut butter chocolate. We make uh, pudding, uh, banana pudding. Um, we made a, a beautiful lemon souffle cake that somebody made. Somebody made also a uh, angel food cake with like a glaze on it. Uh, Cameron Conant made a fabulous chocolate cake, a double chocolate killer cake. I, I definitely really got good. some of that. Yeah, it's really, really good. But they make all We make uh, haystacks, which is made with chow mein, peanuts, butterscotch, and peanut butter. Believe it or not, you mix it in, a, mix it all together, and you put it on a tray, and you refrigerate it, and it comes right. out. They're really good. Well, we appreciate you, and we appreciate this fair, and we will all be indulging. Happy Mardi Gras! This portion of the podcast takes place in the restroom on the second floor, as you can hear. Okay, hello Jason, how you doing today, sir? Not too bad. Fine, okay, well me and Sarah are going to be asking you a few questions. Okay, I'm going to start it off. Why are we doing this? For health class. Is it flu season? It is flu season. What are we trying to prevent? We're trying to prevent the spread of germs going around. Okay, so... We have Jason here, and um, we're going to ask him a few questions about how to wash his hands. Jason, how long are you supposed to wash your hands? 30 seconds. When is the appropriate time to wash your hands? You have to use the bathroom or any time your hands get dirty. How many okay. paper towels are you supposed to use? Two. How much soap are you supposed to use? One pump per hand. Good. Okay, now could you walk this way to the sink with us? Now we're going to have a little demo. A demo. All right. We're going to have some audio description for this demo. A little bit, you're going to narrate what Jason's doing okay. for the, our audience. Jason has turned on the water. Now he is lathering his hands before he adds soap, okay, for at least five seconds. Now he has added a pump of soap, one pump for each hand, okay? He's lathering his hands before he put his hands back in the water. He turns back on the water. Now he's scrubbing his hands, lathering off the soap. In his head, what he is doing is counting to 30. So you can know he's doing it for 30 seconds. One, two, three. Thirteen. Sort of like time and sprint laps without the So sure though. Twenty-five. God. Five, four, three, two, one. Blast off. 
And we're officially clean. He's officially clean after he dries off his hands. That's at least according to the, to the CDC. Okay, yeah. 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 Kelly, thank you for your time. Jason yeah. Tell, thank you for your time. No problem. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Let's keep those uh, communicable diseases not able to spread, right? Yay. Yeah. All right. That concludes this segment of the podcast. Thank you. at the OSSB School for the Blind. I'm a known veteran. A stellar teacher. Well, it could be better than saying the oldest person around. How are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm great. That's good to hear. So, can I ask you, where are you from? Uh, I actually grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I grew up in, right here in Clintonville. Really? Yeah. Interesting. What school did you graduate from? Uh, the Ohio State University. Ohio State University? What about high school? Uh, North High School. North High School? Mm-hmm. Really? That's cool. Home of the Polar Bears. How did you start working at OSSB? Well, uh, the, when I was getting ready to graduate from the Ohio State University, there actually were not programs, very many programs in the uh, United States to train teachers of the blind. In fact, there were only about two. So most people that started teaching uh, learned on the job. I happened to be uh, lifeguarding at Ohio State, and we didn't have a pool here then, and the kids came down there to learn to swim, and someone was doing a study on teaching blind kids to swim. I was guarding, and then uh, the next quarter she said, would you like to help the kids learn to swim? We need people, and I said, sure. The gym teacher, the phys ed teacher, came with them to the pool, and she said, there's an opening up at OSSB. Why don't you come and apply there? Because it looks like you enjoy the kids. I said to myself, you know what? That would be different to do for a year or two. <laughs> and so I came up and interviewed, and I got the job. You had 16 kids in your class? I had 16 kids. What grade? It was all first grade. We actually had 32 kids in the first grade. They were split, 16 and 16. Aids were unheard of, I mean, you know, and that varied a lot in abilities. And I was, like, trying to struggle to learn to know what I was doing. I'd learned Braille, kind of self-taught myself Braille over the summer, and then we had a course with the principal who worked on our Braille. So the principal taught you Braille when you first started working well, I, I kind of self-taught myself over the summer. So I had a book on it. So I got started, and then uh, that year, uh, for any new teachers, she taught Braille. How long have you been working here? Well, this is this is my 59th year of 59 teaching. 59 years of teaching at OSSB. Now, what subjects do you teach, by the way? Well, I've, ta- I've, ca- I've taught kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. Subjects. This year, oh, subjects. What you would do in a regular classroom, you know, reading, math, writing, science, so social the studies. Basics. Yeah, the basics. Okay. You got it. What do you like about OSSB now than before we first started working? Oh, well, of course, I like the fact that we have more support system, that we have a psych- we have psychologists, we have a speech therapist, we have, we have um, an occupational therapist, we have a physical therapist. We did not have those things at the time that I started. We did uh, not have a lot of specialists, and we did not have a lot of uh, way to even evaluate kids before they came to school. 
So now that the, they are able to do that before they come and we have a lot more information, we're a lot more helpful to kids as soon as they start. Did the day look different back then than it does now? One of the things that we had then is we had um, what they called Big Chapel and Little Chapel, which had to do with um, basically we're kind of uh, religion-oriented where we would meet, all meet in the auditorium, and the same auditorium we have now. I can still kind of picture the kids sitting there. And we would uh, sing uh, church songs. Sometimes they would have a kind of sermon, but a lot of times they would also have other kind of programs, like the Little Right Hand, or we gave a play of the Three Bears on stage. And holiday plays. Yeah, and uh, each teacher was responsible for one, so which was a big commitment of time. And energy, you know, we began to pick up uh, kids going to physical therapy, kids going to gym more often, uh, beginning to get tech kinds of things. When did we get our swimming pool? Uh, I believe the pool was about 1975 that it was named for Mr. Overby. It was a lot of hard work for um, parents and staff and people working with the legislature to get the money for that pool. The pool, I think, has been a, a wonderful addition to our school. I, I often think of the kids that were the kids who are now, of course, way grown up, and how they would have loved the pool, which I just think has been a wonderful um, addition. What type of jobs have you had before you start working at OSSB? I know that you was in college. I think the here. only other job that I ever have had was being a camp counselor for several years. I was a camp counselor and I, at the camps, I was always involved with lifeguarding and teaching swimming. So you've been working here for quite a while. May I ask with all due respect, what has stopped you from retirement? Um, I like what I'm doing and I've just been lucky enough to be healthy enough to do it. In every job you have, there are things that you dislike, but the, uh, working with the kids, uh, seeing kids um, make progress, seeing somebody get the idea of how to read is just all uh, very fulfilling to me. And as I say, I've just been lucky enough to be healthy enough to do it. Who is the Miss Butler outside of OSSB? Okay, well, uh, I'm a, a wife, a mom of three grown kids, obviously. I have four grandchildren. Um, we all like to travel. So lots of times the family travels together or we meet up somewhere along the way. Um, I've pretty much, my husband and I and our family have pretty much traveled uh, all summer, uh, pretty much all of our, of our li lives since I started here. So we've been to almost every state in the United States and uh, we've been to Australia and Scotland and of course Hawaii is a state, but somewhere you have to go out of, out of the continental U.S. to go. Um, I like to read. Uh, I like to uh, knit. I got luckily stuck with the Girl Scouts, of course, which was one of the biggest commitments. You know, somebody else might have had Key Club or something, but they, they saw, oh, this young person who's got lots of energy and has been a camp counselor, she will be a Girl Scout leader. It was well worth it, but it was... It was pretty uh, time-consuming. And I like to be with my grandkids. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. Well, could you tell me a little bit about your family? 
Uh, well, I have a husband who is retired, and he takes care of the dog. <laughs> and he's uh, and uh, I have three grown kids, and I have four grandkids uh, from ages five through twenty-one. So one's getting ready to graduate from college. So that'll be exciting for her and for us. Has your family been involved with your work at OSSB? Oh yeah, they're 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 very involved, and also I have um, my one daughter is a teacher of uh, kids with special needs. In fact, she student taught here at OSSB, and she was a youth leader here for a year while she was in college. So she's had ties to OSSB, and now she's a teacher of special needs in Columbus, as is my son-in-law. Cool. Following in your footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that teaching's really changed over the course of, you know, 50, 60 years? I mean, we get we get new tools and new things to use, and students have different ways to learn. What's your take on that? I think it I think it has changed, uh, and honestly, mostly for the better, that we are able to use a lot more resources with kids, that we, we look into many different aspects of, how will they learn? What would be the best way to teach a kid? Instead of looking at uh, this would be the one way they would learn would be phonics. But we're looking at what other ways could we use? We could use phonics. We can use whole word. We can use library-related things. So things have expanded, I think, much for the better. Um, I think technology is good, you know, as we say, when it works. <laughs> um, it's, for, for visually impaired, it's just a- absolutely uh, one of the most wonderful things. Well, why would you why would you use a horse and buggy when you have a Cadillac? Yeah, did you did they travel to different schools as much back then? They, well, they honestly did, but you know, we only had like the only sports we had when I came. I think were wrestling and cheerleading. I we may have had track. I would have thought we would, but I'm not sure we did. I was well aware of the wrestling and cheerleading. The wrestling was quite a big factor. Uh, of course, we didn't have swimming because we didn't have a pool. I, I may have just not been aware of the track. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of things was music. Uh, the band did travel to different parts of the state and give concerts. The band and choir. So we did have a band at that time, and they traveled around the state and they gave. Concerts, and they also gave demonstrations of reading Braille and um, writing Braille and things like that that a lot of people weren't aware of at that time. So they did that in addition. And the teams did the teams did travel. Um, I can't. I just can't say it was high school whether or not they did as much traveling. Um, to other schools for the blind, but they did have their big NCs and everything for wrestling and cheerleading. And in fact, some of the kids then, wrestlers, went to the Ohio State, the, the, uh, they made the districts and state in wrestling. That pretty much wraps it up. All right, thank you, Ms. Butler, little Butler. Up next, we have me and Latrell showing you how to order cookies from Wendy's. So you can just feel so low and miserable. They're too busy to talk to you, boys. <laughs> Never. How you doing? Do you guys have cookies? Yeah, we have cookies. Yeah, what I know. What kind of cookies? 
sugar cookies, chocolate chip cookies. Thank you. This might be your first visit to the Ohio State School for the Blind podcast, or you might be a return visitor. In any case, we are so glad that you're tuning in and listening to us every month. One thing that we do here at the School for the Blind is study a different country every month. Learn about their culture, maybe their writing, some aspect about that country that's different from how we live here in America. Last month we went to Greece and we studied Greek mythology and did some storytelling. This month we are traveling all the way to China and to get things started Jason is going to bring us up to speed on the Chinese New Year and later on I'm going to have a conversation with my fifth period class, a little roundtable if you will, about what we learned in our research. Thank you for tuning in. Hello everybody, this is Jason, and today I'm going to be presenting to you guys 10 interesting facts about the Chinese New Year. So let's get started with number one. The date varies by the year meaning that every year there's a different date for when the Chinese New Year starts. Number two, the holiday is oddly called the Spring Festival, even though it's still during the winter. Number three, every Chinese New Year starts a new animal's zodiac year. So what that means is that One year it will be a dog, the next year it will be a cow, the next year it will be the year of the chicken. The animal zodiac year continues on and on and on and on times infinity, which is pretty cool. Number four, it is a festival for one-fourth of the world's population, meaning that over a quarter of the population of the Earth celebrate the Chinese New Year slash spring festivals. That is super duper cool because I never would have imagined that either, honestly, because I wouldn't have thought that that would have been a thing, but I guess it is. Number five, billions of red envelopes filled with money are exchanged during the spring festival. Number six, it's big in London, England and Hong Kong, China. Number seven. 4% of the world's population are on the move during this time. Meaning that 4% of the population of our world is on the move traveling to go celebrate these festivals. Number 8. There is the world's biggest annual fireworks usage during the spring festivals. Because of the fact that the spring festival is full of parties and celebrations and you don't really know how many days... Of Chinese New Year's Eve you're going to have until the Chinese New Year comes. So it's pretty cool. You get to use a lot of fireworks. You get to dress up in costumes and eat good food. It's really good time from what I hear. Number nine. The Lantern Festival once ended 16 days of festivities. So they had Chinese New Year's Eve for 16 days. And that honestly is super cool because i wish we could have new year's eve for longer but i guess we can't which kind of sucks but hey still pretty cool right and last but not least brings us to number 10 shishinyan kwaila 
means Happy New Year in Chinese. And just again, for those who need it pronounced again, it's Shishin Nian Kuila. So this has been Jason with the Top 10 Introduction Facts of the Chinese New Year. This is Andre. Latrell. Mr. Kelly. And our alumni focus is Mr. Thomas Alfred. He graduated last year. That was the 2016-2017 school year. How you doing, Thomas? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. We're going to ask you a few questions, okay? All right. Andre, you start off. Don't be scared. It's okay. Okay. So what you been up to since you left Ohio State School for Blood? Well, other than college and work, nothing. What are you studying in college? Early childhood education. So you're trying to be a teacher, huh? Yeah, K through second grade. Do you think that you'll be able to teach at OSSB? You would like to come here and work? I'm hoping so. Cool. Youth leader? No, I'm a one-on-one aide with Ethan. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about some of your school years here? As far as athletics, you doing athletics? I did wrestling, actually all of them: wrestling, goalball, swimming, and track. So you fancy yourself a super sports star? Yeah. What events did you do in track? I did shot put. You breaking your records? In wrestling for yeah. the school, I for got the fastest, fastest pin. I heard nice Five job. Seconds. So you will be back in the time where Mr. Kelly was the coach, correct? Yes. Now, how was that experience for you? <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Thomas, I'm sure you could tell some stories. Well, you shaved me once. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to tell that story. Yeah. yeah. Thomas came to me and he says, "We, I got to shave. And he says, well, and this, I think he was about 12 at the time. <laughs> With a full yeah, beard. Yeah, a full man's beard. And uh, I said, well, we don't, you know, we don't have an electric razor, Thomas. And he, goes, he says, you have to use a, a straight razor. And he goes, I'm scared. Because his voice was still high at the time. <laughs> no. So we just used a whole lot of shaving cream. And what would you say when you came out of there? I don't remember. Uh, something about, I just got shaved by a blind man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are some memories that you always have. We were in Indiana. That's right. It was Indiana. Where were you before you came to OSSB, Thomas? Where'd you come from? Southwestern City Schools. How, how does that compare to uh, Ohio State School for the Blind? In public school, I didn't get any any help. They didn't want to help me with school. They pretty much put me in a little room by myself with a CCTV and mm-hmm. just gave me the work. When here, I get a lot of one-on-one help and all the adaptive equipment I need. And you were pretty resistant to using that when you first came here. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so can I ask, how much sight do you have? Um, my acuity is 20 over 180. It mainly affects my central vision. Can you see good enough to drive? I am in the process of doing a bioptic program. Okay. So I will be able to drive. And what caused your uh, vision, what's the word, vision impairment? Yeah, um, I got it from my father. So it was genetic? Yeah. Tell us about the time it's outside of work and school. I don't really do anything other than homework now. Busy man with college and work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live alone or? No, I still live at my mom's house. Oh, okay. Save that money while you can. Okay, exactly. for sure. What college are you, like, did he say that? What college are you going to? Columbus State. 
Yeah, you sort of had a breakthrough moment last year. I remember your graduation speech last year. Yeah. You, you want to talk about that? Well, I felt like I was about to pass out while I was giving it. <laughs> well, you carried it well. Didn't notice you were going to pass out. Just kidding. Felt what, like it. Whatever <laughs> happens during the graduation speech. But, uh, you, you know, you talked a lot about hard work pushing yourself do you find that to be true now that you're you're done with school and you're out there in the real world oh definitely taking classes at Columbus State how many classes are you doing I'm taking four four classes it's a pretty good load yeah and working at the same time how was that transition from here to going to college getting hooked up with uh, I presume you got hooked up with you know uh, disability services down there and yeah things like that um, the main thing is being on top of everything and uh, being self advocating and applicating yeah because um, there's no one there to be on top of you and push you to do what you have to do you got to remember to do everything so how long until you graduate college well, I got another year or so at Columbus State, and then I'm going to move on to a four-year college. Ooh. What you trying to get your master's? Um, I'm going to do a bachelor's and then go back for my master's. Okay. okay. Thinking about Ohio State? Yeah. I suggest it, even though I've never been in college. <laughs> How do you feel about coming back here to work after just being gone such a short time? Um, I really like it because I'm used to everyone, and uh, it's something I love to do. Staying connected and yeah, with everybody, that's good. So, if you had the opportunity to work at another school, but you still had the job here, would you leave OSSB to go to another school to be a teacher or an aide? Probably like a, not. Probably not. Good answer. <laughs> so, Thomas. Yeah. If you had a a message to tell to the next gen or you know the junior seniors, whoever, what would that message be? Just don't let your disability or visual impairment hold you back from anything you want to do. As we were talking this morning about going out there, and you, you know, kind of ties into what you said about don't let your visual impairment get in your way because it's very easy for a lot of people for that to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, because, you know, you, you get the sense sometimes that people do talk to you differently and do treat you differently, and you have to maintain that focus on the things that you want to accomplish and get done and how you want to think versus what other people think of you. And they want to maybe put you into a certain, you know, mold or a certain box, right? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you feel that do you, at all? Definitely. When you're in college, right? How do you deal with that? I mean, I mean, I know how I deal with it, and I know how I've dealt with it when I was in my 20s and things like that. Didn't always make the best choices, but <laughs> I came through all right. For the most part, I just let it roll off. But if it becomes a problem, then I just kind of talk to them like, I, I'm just like you. There's nothing different about me. I just have a visual impairment. Yeah. I think educating people is the key. Actions speak louder than any of your words can. I used to tell the marching band, you always do it the best you've ever done it. And if they say it can't be done, you do it anyway. Right? Do you, I mean, do you... Did you buy into any of that? Does it, any of that kind of play a part in what you're doing now? Yeah. That's good to hear. 
I'm glad I know I had an impact. <laughs> so, <laughs> on an up and coming educator. <laughs> so what's it like being on your own? Uh sometimes it's really difficult. Getting to and from work, riding the buses all the time, even when it gets bad, like yeah. weather wise. Yeah. So is that your primary mode of transportation? Yeah, just getting down on Coda. Me too. Well, at least they run. I mean, you know, when it's freezing cold or snowing, you can still get that bus. Yeah. Right? That's a plus. So is there anything else besides uh, education that piques your interest? Like cooking, maybe? Uh, I like cooking. What do you like about cooking? <laughs> <laughs> Mainly the eating part. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah, eating part, that's a good thing. Gotta eat. I really like making pasta yeah. and homemade sauces. It's really exciting to have you here, uh, Try to we try to get people from different decades. It's nice to have a new generation. I'm just curious. You like McDonald's? Because I like McDonald's. Well, McDonald's like, isn't good for you. I, I don't care like what you say about McDonald's. <laughs> okay, they still got some good food. Uh, but Wendy's got the best fries. I'm more of a Taco Bell man. Okay. That's not good for you neither. Uh, you want a good sandwich? Charlie Steakery. Oh my gosh, yeah, they do. That's nice. It is, it is one of the best. Philly steak sandwiches I've had. The Philly chicken. I had the Philly chicken with the bacon bits on it. Oh, my gosh. Bacon bits on it? That sounds good. This is going on. So, Thomas, how would you say this school helped? Helped you in the long run? I don't think I would be going to college if if I didn't come here because I would have failed out of high school by now because they wouldn't help me or give me the accommodations I needed. Was it mainly the accommodations, or was there supports there in place to... Um, everything. They, everything. they really didn't want to deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> We're here at public school. Oh, public school. So I remember when I didn't want to deal with you on the bus, <laughs> I'd have you sit down in the hallway by yourself. Then you'd get mad at me, and then you'd be all right. You know, I'd kind of like to see you on the trail on the map one day. Eventually. Once I lose... Please lose at least. <laughs> God. Well, Trail's probably the strongest wrestler I've seen through here, strength-wise, since the early 2000s. Oh, my God. Did Mr. Kelly just praise you? Not, I don't give out compliments very much. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> Make you work for him, work hard. So, Thomas. Yeah. Mr. Kelly mentioned marching band. Did you do any? Yeah, any, uh, three years. Three years, marching band? Playing the bass drum. Yeah, you came in in, what, 14? Yeah, I was originally supposed to play the snare, but then Brian Rowan left, so then I just took over the bass drum. Choir? <laughs> no. Not much of a singer, huh? <laughs> no. Only in the shower. The <laughs> <laughs> acoustics is better up in there. <laughs> well, anything else, fellas? Ah, I think that's it. That pretty much wraps it up. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Thomas. Yep, very excited to have you on here this month, and best of luck to you. And we hope that uh, you're either teach here at OSSB one day or elementary somewhere, and doing great things. And I have one more thing to say. Wait, Thomas. What? Do me a favor. What? Say young. Young. No. Put some emphasis on. You gotta say it. it, it uh, you gotta say it enthusiastically. Young. Up next, Andre and Latrell will interview Miss Woods. She is one of the newest members of our OSB teaching staff. Take it away, guys. Welcome back. 
How you doing, Miss Woods? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Good. This is Andre and Latrell. And Miss Woods is a new science teacher. She got here at the beginning of the school year, and we're gonna have a nice little interview with her. So, as we understand, you used to be a substitute and a tutor at Columbus City Schools. How does Columbus City Schools compare to OSSB? Um, as a tutor, I really worked with students uh, in reading and math. Um, so I'm back to my roots in teaching science. And I don't think there's a lot to compare, to be honest. So how did you find yourself on OSSB Zor Steps? Actually, I took a class with Miss Miller this summer, and she mentioned that they were looking for a science teacher. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm teach science i was like to i would like to apply for this job and so i put in my application and it turns out dr labar had worked with some of the um administrators in the school i was working in in columbus uh-huh. uh so she talked to them and i got an interview when you applied for this job what were you expecting out of it were you uh, surprised i'm not sure what i was expecting because i hadn't worked with students with visual impairments but not teaching science so I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Um, I tried to do a lot of research before I had my interview mm-hmm. uh, on uh, things that you would do to teach students with visual impairments, whether that would be like tactile information. So what are some of the challenges you've seen here at OSSB and how did you overcome them? When I taught science previously, a lot of the times I would just kind of put the PowerPoint up and uh, review the PowerPoint. Um, I use a lot of visuals. So uh, adjusting to uh, students with visual impairment was interesting. Just learning how to make things tactile. And what they try to do is ask other teachers and also just like spend a lot of time online looking up how one would make things tactile. But they still have a lot to learn. So So how has your teaching method changed since you worked in the classroom as a tutor? Uh, well, working as a tutor, I uh, spend a lot of time working with students on math and reading. So working here, I was able to pick back up some of my science stuff, uh, whether that was like going through old folders and finding it or mm-hmm. uh, going back online and finding uh, things that I could do and then also making sure I adapt materials for the classroom. So how do you meet the needs of students here? I try to ask them what they would like and always explain things three times. I guess just try to put the technology piece in there because I know a lot of the students Mm -hmm. here are really adept at using computers and where I've I've taught previously, been a lot of, um, we've been paper focused um, so that's another change I've tried to make. What gave you the inspiration to become a teacher? When I was in college, I tutored both children and adults, and I figured out that I liked that a lot more than being in a lab or being in class, so I decided that maybe I should make that my career. So you said that you tutored math, reading, and now you're a science teacher. Can I ask what degrees do you have? I have a Bachelor of Arts in Zoology. My teaching license is in 7th through 12th Life Science. Mm-hmm. I am almost done with a teaching license in Special Education. Mm-hmm. And 
then I'm obviously going to have to go back to school and get my teaching for the visually impaired license. Okay. So what are some of your hobbies? I like to read. I have a tendency to read five books at once. (laughs) I like to go to the movies. This weekend I saw, or last weekend I saw Black Panther, which was amazing. (laughs) Do you play any instruments? Not particularly well. I mean, I, I play the piano, clarinet. I played baritone in college, saxophone, but not very well. <laughs> and I can maybe, might be able to get Twinkle Twinkle Little Star out on a violin. <laughs> if you could describe yourself using one word, go. I'd go with random. All right. So, Lucia, you got anything else? No, that's all. All right. Thank you, Ms. Woods. Thank you. Thank you. This is Mr. Kelly, and here we are in its fifth period. This class has been doing research about what country? China. China. We've been talking about China this month. We looked all over the internet and found went to some great places. One of the places that we went to was a National Geographic website. Uh, Alyssa, is there something you want to share? There was, um, on the website, it showed, like, uh, green uh, flavored ice pop things. So, um, ice pops that tasted like green beans? Yeah, it tasted like green beans, it's kind of unique, isn't it? Yeah, it's something new. All right, what do you guys think about that one? <laughs> Disgusting. That's it makes kind of gay. That's going to make me nauseous. I just feel sick right now thinking about it. <clears throat> well, I'm sure there's... There are probably You have to remember, there's probably things that we eat in our culture that wouldn't, wouldn't go over well in other cultures, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Bryce. Well, one of the things is that it says the, uh, the, the uh, Chinese New Year lasts for 15 days. So the Chinese New Year celebration lasts for 15 days. That's how long for the Chinese New Year. Wow. That's half a month. That is half a month. Right. So I wonder if somebody has to stay up for 15 days straight. Like how we, you know, on New Year's Eve, how we used to have, we used to have Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve or whatever it was called, right? I don't Who does it now? Do you know Miss Monica? Um, Who does the ball drop? Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, that's right. Ryan Seacrest is always on the show now. They do a lot of festivals in the spring. One of another one of your facts I remember is that they designed boats with dragon designs. The dragon is the dragon is a substantial plays a substantial role in a lot of Chinese folklore, right? Chantel, was there anything that? that you want to share, contribute, that you learned about China? Oh. How about their railway lines going around the whole world twice? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so. like in Columbus, the railroad one, with the train, oh, where the, where the train's at? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the so, railroad train thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Did anybody have a fact about the population? Like the difference between there and here, and here, you know what I mean? It's one billion, three hundred and ninety-three million, seven hundred and eighty-three thousand. Oh, that's a lot. Dang, that's a lot of people. Miss Monica, you gonna look that up? Let's sure. see. What is the population of the U.S.? Of the US? Uh, sure will. The official name of China is the People's Republic of China. They, what form of government do they have? Communist state. Good Chantel. They are a communist state, right? Okay, that means that uh, 
Really? You're right. They they don't they don't get to vote, do they? Uh oh. All right. For them. The, what's the what's the U.S. population? The U.S. population as of 2017 was 325 million 964,929. So a quarter, right? A quarter of China's population. It actually says as of yesterday, the 25th of February 2018, that was a number. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Wow. The capital of China is? Beijing. Good, Chantel. You got it again. <laughs> All right. What's the official language? Mandarin. Mandarin. All right, Mr. Mitchell. Their area that they cover is almost 10 million square kilometers. Whoa. Right. The major mountain range of China. Does anybody remember what that was? The Himalayas. The Himalayas. Alyssa and William. Very good. China is one seriously huge country. It has lots of different landscapes, too, including mountains, high plateaus, areas of level high ground. That's what a high plateau is. Sandy deserts and dense forests. Okay. One-third of China's land area is made up of mountains. The tallest mountain on Earth is... What's the Mount tallest? Everest. Mount Everest. All right, Bryce. Mount Everest sits on the border between China and Nepal. Did you guys know that? No. Uh, China has thousands of rivers. The two main rivers, but they both flow from west to east. Okay. All right, so I did not know that. Huh. That one that I can't pronounce, the Yan Kandis, is the longest river in Asia and the third longest in the world. A little bit about their culture. The population is over 1.3 billion. China has more people than any other country on Earth. About a third of the population lives in cities, and the rest of the people live in the countryside. Arts and crafts has a long history in China. Thousands of years ago, the Chinese were some of the first people to use silk, jade, bronze, wood, and paper to make art. Their artistic writing is called <laughs> calligraphy. Yep, was invented in China. Can you guys think of an animal that's from China? Pandas. Yeah, right? Panda bears? Panda. Yeah, and I didn't even yep. know that they were descendants they lived, of dragons. They lived in the misty mountains of China. So it was very interesting to, to look at China and how the, the, they have some some different different things going on in China than we do in America, but also there are a lot of similarities as well. Thank you for tuning in with us. We would like to thank everyone who lent their talents, voices, and skills to this month's podcast. We appreciate everything that you do to support the podcast at OSSB. And I do want to say that when I look at the stats on the podcast, it's looking real good. We're over 2,000 plays now, so we thank you very much for tuning in and giving us an hour every month. It means a lot to us, all the work that the kids put in. Next month, we got some exciting things to look forward to. We've been looking at uh, all different kinds of things around OSSB this year. Next month, we're going to take a look at art. 
what we're currently doing with our art program here at the School for the Blind and some successes from the past. We hope that you enjoy the music that we're doing with the podcast. Uh, we're using GarageBand and having a lot of fun. Students are having a lot of fun using GarageBand. And, and personally, I'm having a blast with this little program. So all the music that you hear is originally done, and we are going to close out this podcast with a musical selection. A big shout-out to Philippe and Perseus, fourth and fifth graders here at OSSB. We'll listen to some of their work. Thank you for spending an hour with us, and we'll see you next month. Till next time, with Trail, Andre, and Mr. Kelly.